0: Welcome to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Janelle Amos, and in this podcast, we talk about all things, you guessed it, demand generation in a simplified way. We cover the basics of what demand generation is, all the way through to how to get started and how to be successful when launching your demand generation framework. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's dive in. We made it not only is it the end of a quarter it's also the end of the first half of 2022 for many companies if they're on kind of the fiscal calendar quarter and a lot of companies are now planning out their second half of the year strategy or probably what you'll hear on linkedin and marketing jargon as h2 2022 uh, which is basically just outlining first half and second half of the year, right? Um, and if you're not planning H2 yet, uh, here's your reminder that you should probably get on that ASAP. So, <laughs> Speaking of the transition from H1 to H2, some of y'all hit your H1 goals dead on. Some of y'all hit and exceeded your goals, which is amazing. Some of y'all were just shy of hitting them. And then some of y'all flat out bombed them. And whichever situation applies to you in terms of how that first half of the year went, it's okay to hit or miss your goals. The biggest thing that you need to reflect on is why. Why did you hit the goals? Or why did you straight up bomb them? Reflecting on those key takeaways is going to be so important to ensure the second half of your year is set up for success. And I remember I used to have so much fun analyzing these types of of data when I was in house and kind of like reflecting on what worked with my own campaigns and what didn't work. Sometimes it was just a straight up failure. Um, Part of what I like to do is just, you know, trust my gut too um, and just try it out and say, Hey, what if, right? Could this be? Sometimes you're right right? And sometimes you're not and the you'll never know, right? Until you try it. So um, it's one of the things that I always kind of liked is reflecting on what worked and what didn't work and why. Um, and the biggest thing that I learned from kind of that self-reflection process is that not only do you have to kind of give your key takeaways and whatnot, but you also have to present it in a way that's proactive. Um, you need to showcase what you did or what you did right or what you did wrong, and then with what you're going to do about it, right? So I worked with a lot of VP of marketings and CMOs from when I used to report to them in-house. And they're also the ones that I'm in communication with um, as clients here at Elevate Growth. And they've always appreciated the initiatives of showing like the proactiveness of the key takeaways, what we're learning from it um, and what we're going to do about it. And the biggest thing, you know, when if you're in a smaller non-executive role, when you're speaking to executives, um, know that two things matter to them uh, and that's time and money. Um, And so when you present your key learnings or your findings or your reports, right, your quarterly reports, however, you know, the conversations come into play, always bring it back to how long something will take and how much it will cost. And then obviously, you know, with the why factor behind it, um, but don't forget the time and money aspect to them. And that also kind of applies to a lot of other conversations as well from pitching a proposed budget, hiring talent, as well as like campaign reflections. Um, So just something to remember that it's one thing to report off of like H1 or quarterly um, metrics, but it's another thing to proactively come up with like those key action items based on your findings or your learnings. And it doesn't have to be like a full blown H2 strategy either. Like here's what we did in here's what we learned in H1, here's, you know, the strategy for H2. It doesn't always have to be presented that way. You could also just show that you're not taking these missed KPIs lightly. Right? So like for example, one of the things we learned when uh doing LinkedIn campaigns is that they work better for uh top of funnel. So a lot of the conversations that I have with my clients right now is if they're having a metric that's set up for bottom of funnel, it's A B testing the two and understanding which one was missed. And if top of funnel is performing better than bottom, bottom of funnel, right? It's the key understandings of what was being ran, why is it performing better? Is that performance good performance or just fluffy performance? And is it actually like impacting kind of that bottom line? Um, you know, what they need to achieve for in terms of business growth. Um, And so in that scenario, one thing you can say is in H2 or even in the next quarter, Q3, we're going to pause all bottom funnel LinkedIn campaigns and 100% invest in, you know, top of funnel campaign. So, like I said, it doesn't have to be that full-blown strategy. Here's the themes and the audience and everything you're breaking down for it. It can just be something in terms of like, hey, here's what we found, like here's what we decided to do about it. So, uh, just just stuff to consider, but for today's episode, I really wanted to help you all kind of map out some of the things for you to consider when building your H2 strategies and having those H2 marketing conversations. And most of this is going to be more on like a non-executive level. Um, although I, my background is head of demand gen at four different startups. Um, I wasn't considered like an exact. I was kind of like the level below like senior leadership. Um, but still with that level of credibility, you're brought to the conversations, but you're not the one like leading the marketing team, right? So these recommendations are more so in terms of those that have a seat at the table that are responsible for owning data and metrics and performances, but aren't necessarily that person that's calling the shots, right? Like you still kind of have like a seniority above you. Um, And so let's dive in. The number one thing that, not the number one thing, the first thing on the list, I should say, the first thing on the list when having the conversations for your H2 marketing conversations is to look at your closed one data. And really consider if the people who closed one within that quarter or the first half of the year are they your ICP? Are they your ideal customer profile? And if they are, that's fabulous. Keep it up. But how did they find you? Why did they buy? And is everything you just discovered, that process, is it scalable? If it's not, how can you make it be? right? Like that's going to be a gold nugget for you to figure out. So some of the things that I like to look at when I do this type of analysis is to look at which companies close the fastest, which type of companies closed with the highest dollar amount, and then look at uh, which existing companies, so like current customers within this time period, had the highest churn rate. I know. Highest. I know. I hear you guys. Um, Yes, I mean highest turn rate. Here's why. When you analyze those criteria, you'll more than likely notice a pattern, either as a whole or within those specific groups. And that's going to give you the insight you need to better understand who collectively closes the fastest has the highest amount of money or can drive the highest amount of money and who is least likely to churn. So if you can filter out those that have that high churn rate, now all of a sudden you're attracting those that are you know, not as high of a churn potential. Because ultimately what you want to do right, is you want to drive people who can close quickly. That would be great. Your salespeople would love that. You also want to drive people who can bring in the highest dollar amount. Your executives and board of directors will love that and then you also want you know to drive the individuals that are least likely to churn not only for you and your business model but for them as well like the ultimate goal of marketing and running a business is to have customers that will turn into evangelists and not only be a one-time purchase, but a lifetime customer regardless of the company that they're with or, you know, all the other factors. Um, So really looking for not only like the value that they bring you, but that you could also bring them in the lifetime relationship as well. So the second thing is you need to look at your clothes lost as well. Um, you need to understand why they did not choose you. You need to learn about the objectives, that objections that your sales team is facing, and you need to analyze if that's something that you can help with from like a messaging perspective. A great example is that the market doesn't see a, a product, doesn't see your product as a painkiller; they see it more as like a vitamin. That's a problem. <laughs> and so, if no one at your company can talk about the business problem that this product solves, it's going to be really hard for anyone to close. So you need to figure out why this product was created, like what that purpose is for. And then that's what you need to market the hell out of. Um, And just a side note here, if you don't currently have these type of fields in like your Salesforce or HubSpot or whatever CRM, marketing automation platform you're using, I highly recommend that you add this to your to-do list like yesterday, um, because these are going to give you invaluable insights in terms of transforming the way that marketing approaches their messaging. You have to know what's working, what's hitting the bottom line, what's getting to conversations and what's closing conversations. Um, and even when conversations are happening, but they turn into close lost, you have to understand why. Is it because the competitors? because of pricing? Is it because of market fit? Is it because, right? Like so many reasonings behind that. And so as a marketer, It's your job to understand that and then to create like content and strategies on how you can alleviate that and make those conversations easier for your sales team um, altogether, if possible. Sometimes it's not always possible, but sometimes it is. So it it doesn't hurt to kind of look at that data and analyze if there's anything that really stands out that marketing can help with. Number 3 is to look at your marketing strategy and goals as a whole. You need to understand what worked well at a high level, holistically, what didn't, why or why not. And then this mostly comes from like looking at the goals that you outlined like at the very beginning of the quarter or like H1 and how and measuring how close you came to hitting them. And so an example that I recently came across is having a goal of uh, increasing SEO by a certain percentage amount. uh, And it was a quarterly goal, but nothing happened on marketing side that took SEO into consideration in that marketing strategy towards the end of the quarter. Like there was nothing really to like, circle back on or report off of. Um, And so if that's the case, a couple of recommendations here for you is to look at like, why is that disconnect there? Um, Was that KPI created solely because it was a shiny next conversation or topic that you you wanted to see? Was there data behind it? Did you actually have the breadcrumbs in place to enable your team to achieve it? If you did and they still didn't achieve it, what distracted them? right? Did goals pivot? Did a migration come into play? Um, And so sometimes it can be from the marketing leader, like forgetting to kind of put that tangible plan into place on like those smaller milestones and enabling the team to achieve those. But it can also be that like, yo, a lot of stuff can go on during a quarter, right? Like, I don't know about you, but like, things could change overnight. Um, And so sometimes when you set up quarterly or first half goals you look back at the end and you're like whoa that's no longer relevant right so <laughs> just you know just just being transparent just being honest is looking at it and be like you know we thought we wanted to do SEO but like shocker that didn't actually happen and again reporting off of that and saying here's what we're going to do instead or here's why that happened um and just being transparent honest and just proactive kind of about that decision as well Number four is to look at the overall business goals. So we just talked about marketing's goals. Now we're going to reflect on how marketing impacts a larger business conversation. You need to look at the the company as a whole, reach their quarterly and H1ARR goal or annual recurring revenue goal or whatever other metric they have in place that they're measuring. At the end of the day, the business needs revenue and needs money to grow. Sometimes that's ARR, sometimes that's MR, sometimes that's ACV. There's so many different acronyms like they want annual recurring revenue they want monthly recurring revenue they want a specific contract amount you know they want a specific like subscription licenses so however a business puts that model into place in terms of measuring the financials um, you need to understand how close the company was as a whole with the impact of achieving or missing those targets you need to understand why or why not why it was missed did you have an influx of leads and no sales team to fulfill it or was it the opposite did you have have a huge sales team and very low leads for marketing, right? So you need to understand kind of that give and take the balance. Did you have a lot of customers that were churning? Did leadership pivot the audience? You know, was a major product feature launched or did something break? You know, all these things that can come in, that factor into that decision in terms of why a company reached or missed their goal. And really having kind of like that realistic conversations of where the business is going and then how that impacted marketing and their goals as a whole too. Um, One of the examples that I have here when I was in-house, a company wanted to 12X their pipe for the next quarter. You heard that right, 12X. Um, But the marketing team was planning to undergo a website migration and migrating from their market automation platform from Pardot to Marketo. So please tell me how a marketing team can enable the company to achieve a 12x growth with no landing pages, no database, no tracking, no tagging, no automation, like crazy. So part of it is, you know... It, somebody can say, oh, you need to make sure your goals are realistic. Like they could be realistic based on data, right? Like I, I don't think that people are stupid when they think about <laughs> like the KPIs and the goals that they want to put in place. I truly give people the benefit of the doubt of going in and really looking at what's happening, where they want to go and putting together those, those mathematical equations, if you will. I think the, the point that I'm trying to call out here is sometimes departments and leaderships and every you know the business model as a whole, they aren't always connected. So you have the CFO saying, hey, you know, in order to get X amount of AR growth in the next couple of years, we need to 12 X this pipe for the next couple of quarters. We need to get this X amount of close ratio, blah, blah, blah. And then cool, we're gonna roll with that. That's the company strategy from the head down. The CEOs bought in, the CMOs bought in, blah, blah, blah. And then the marketing team and or the sales team and or the customer success team, whichever department, they kind of have their own things going on separately, right? Like, yeah, sure, you have a larger marketing strategy, but then you look back and each individual is kind of, you know, trucking along to achieve those. And um, sometimes the disconnect comes from somebody at like a CFO level putting together these things based on numbers, the numerical equations, mathematical equations, and they're forgetting that in order to achieve these, marketing needs to have resources such as landing pages, such as budgets, such as uh, databases, or you know the tracking and operations and stuff like that. Um, and so realistic the term of what i mean by realistic is not necessarily saying that you know you need to do the math and it needs to be data driven and this and that it's just holistically looking at your business model and really making sure that your departments are interconnected and talking and they're on the same page in terms of everything that's going on from a project standpoint that will enable this company to hit that larger goal so um, point number five is that you also need to look at what's changing in the market. Um, you need to analyze and assess if there are any new competitors that have been popping up um, and kind of assess how big of a risk they are to you either right now or in the future and start preparing for how you're going to compete against those. Um, sometimes you may feel like, yo, this person is will never be a risk to me or, you know, a competitor to me, or we don't consider them a competitor. But all of a sudden your sales team is having all these conversations because their marketing talks about you, right? And they're trying to go after maybe one feature that you do, even though you're full suite and you do all these other things and they just do this one thing, maybe they do it better than you. Um, so, you know, a couple of different things just to take into consideration um, is just that that market assessment. There's also lots of talk about a recession coming right now. So you need to understand what that impact would be for the need of your solution um, or for customers who are already paying for your solution. If uh, if the market goes into a recession, traditionally budget cuts happen. And if budget cuts happen, that affects both your incoming conversations for net new business um, and incoming prospects as well as your existing customers and your existing conversations with them. So losing either net new or customer retention will impact the bottom line and will impact that revenue um, goal. So it's important to also look at this holistically as well and with open eyes and kind of having that action plan behind you. So then after you take these five um, items into consideration, that's when you build out your marketing goals for H2 um, with these things in mind. And you know hopefully that should help you all to finish the year strong um, and really build a marketing strategy that's not only useful for you as a marketer, but also you know from a larger company perspective, especially leadership, as they're looking at marketing's investments and marketing's impact to the growth of the business. So hopefully that helps. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Demand Gen Made Simple podcast. If you found this episode valuable, please do not forget to subscribe. Thanks and see you next time.